Happy Sabbath. I wish you a blessed day, a blessed Sabbath day. It is good to see you all here on this third Sabbath of the year. And it's good to see visitors and friends and some people we, we haven't seen in a while. But it's good to have you all here. And uh, today is a special Sabbath, as we know, we'll have communion. And this is such a special occasion where we can uh, commemorate the sacrifice of our Savior and have our hearts filled with hope that uh, just like Jesus didn't remain in the grave, right? He rose again. One day he's coming back. So all of his promises have been fulfilled so far. And this one will be fulfilled as well. This is our blessed hope. We look forward to the coming of Jesus Christ. And so today we'll, we'll meditate upon his love and sacrifice and we'll have an opportunity to participate in these emblems of his death, of his body and of his blood that were the price that was paid to redeem us from sin and to give us the opportunity to have life, life everlasting. So before we open up uh, scripture today, I just want to say first that we are very happy to see so many children here today. And I need to, sh to say this, that uh, it's been probably uh, four years. Uh, it's going to be five years that I've been uh, pastoring this church in April. Uh, pretty soon it's going to be five years. And for the last four, four and a half years, I guess, we've been dreaming and working uh, toward having a school here in the area. It may look as if we have forgotten it, but we haven't. We're still working on that. Uh, unfortunately, some children that were at school age at that time are no longer, have passed that age already, but we still are working for that and look forward to the day when we'll, we'll be able to see our children attend a Christian, Seventh-day Adventist Christian school here in the area. So pray for that. And uh, very soon we're going to be hearing more uh, of that from Linda, Beatty, and myself on how you can get involved and participate and help this school become a reality soon. Uh, let's pray and ask God direction <clears throat> for this uh, message. We thank you, Lord, because you have brought us here safely. And even in spite of the forecast of snow, we are here because we wanted to be together here and have this opportunity to worship you to fellowship with our brothers and sisters. Our prayer, Lord, is that you may bless us and give us a wonderful worship experience. May we, Lord, be able to listen to your voice today. Uh, we, we ask you, Lord, and we grant the Holy Spirit full uh, authority over our minds and our uh, me uh, meeting here and the ministry of the Word. We ask, Lord, that you may use me as your instrument that your message and your word will come out alive this morning here. I bless each worshiper who came here. May your name be glorified. May all honor and glory be given to you and to you only. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, this past Wednesday, uh, I mean these last 10 days, we've had the 10 days of prayer uh, beginning uh, Wednesday of last week. And we had meetings here at church mostly every night except for two or three nights where we have had meetings at, uh, at some of our members homes and uh, the folks in Trenton were here for the first 
night, and then they were meeting uh, in houses there in Trenton, uh, participating of these 10 days of prayer as well. Uh, I always look forward to this time of the year for the 10 days of prayer, in spite of them being uh, in the dead of winter, uh, and we have to, to face the cold and everything. But it's always been a blessing. It's been an opportunity for our church members to get closer together with one another, to get to know each other better, and also to pray and support one another. And uh, beyond that, uh, we pray for some specific people, and we can see how God works, and we can see that prayer uh, does work, or rather, God works in response to our prayers, right? And so we are thankful that God allowed us to enjoy these 10 days of prayer as well. And if someone... Uh, anyone who participated in this, in these 10 days of prayer, would like to share any testimony, we can do that later when we are having communion. And I'm sure that uh, beautiful stories will come up. This past Wednesday, my wife, uh, uh, I, have, I, I bring greetings from my wife, but she's right now out in Brazil, uh, facing temperatures in the neighborhood of 42, 43 uh, Celsius, right? And uh, she left Wednesday evening, and uh, she was supposed to be at her parents' home around uh, 6 o'clock that, uh, the next day, 6 p.m. the next day. Uh, but there were flight cancellations and delays and everything. And so uh, she was actually flown into a different airport in the city of Rio de Janeiro. And when she got there, it was around 12.30 uh, a.m., and so if this were Toronto, it wouldn't be an issue, right? It's just a matter of being very tiresome. But this is Rio de Janeiro. It's not as uh, uh, peaceful and crime-free as uh, Toronto or, or less crime as Toronto is. So uh, I was concerned, but I prayed and I asked God that she, he would protect her. And he did do that, right? She arrived safely at her parents' home. And uh, she's enjoying her company until tomorrow morning when she will then start her week work there in Brazil. And so please continue to keep her in your prayers as she'll be traveling quite a lot uh, across the country there. And we look forward to having her back here next Sabbath in church. Uh, so her plan was to, to travel for roughly 18 hours. It, it took her more than 30 hours to finally reach her destination from the time he, she left home. And, uh, and one thing she said in a text message she sent to me, she said, well, somehow uh, God gave me peace. I was tired, but I was not angry. I was not uh, worried. I was not concerned with anything. And uh, somehow this reminds me of the experience of Jesus himself, right? I'm telling you an illustration, a real-life illustration to make a point. The point that uh, when we have a purpose and when we trust God, there is no reason for us to be worried. There is no reason for us to be afraid because God is going to honor his word. And Jesus Christ, he found himself in situations that maybe as a human being or as human beings, we would have chosen, chosen differently. But Jesus found himself in situations that were very stressful, situations that were very challenging. And uh, he had to endure it all uh, for no other reason than having the plan in his heart very clear that he wanted to save you. He wanted to give you the opportunity of having life and life everlasting. 
And Jesus found himself in situations where he was confronted by those who opposed his message. And he was facing opposition all the time from uh, many of the leaders, of the religious leaders of the time. Many of the authorities of the time. And on this occasion, that is uh, the occasion I'm referring to, that is part of this scripture reading we had this morning from the book of Luke chapter 10. On this occasion, Jesus was invited to have a meal at the house of a Pharisee. Now, if you know anything from Jesus, uh, anything about Jesus' ministry, you know that Jesus faced quite uh, a significant amount of opposition from the Pharisees. But Jesus was uh, a gentleman. Jesus is God and he is the Savior. And so when he was invited to go to the house of this Pharisee, he might have thought that he would face some opposition there, that he might be challenged there, that people would be looking at him and uh, checking, him, uh, checking him out to see if he was doing anything that was wrong, anything that they might accuse him. But still, Jesus politely accepted the invitation and went to the house of this Pharisee for this meal. And so I want to ask you to join me to go back to Scripture. And we are going to read this text. Now we are going to read a larger portion of Scripture to give us the context of this story. And so we'll start in verse 36. Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verse, beginning in verse 36. And whether you have an electronic Bible or if you have a paper, a printed Bible, uh, I'll wait for you so we can all follow together this reading. Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 36. And so the Bible says, Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, uh, with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed him with the fragrant oil, anointed them, the feet, with fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave, forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, 
I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. So Jesus is invited to this meal at the Pharisee's house. And as you may know, uh, they did not sit at the table literally uh, in chairs and they would have then the food out on the table and they would help themselves. They would actually uh, uh, lie down. They would recline on a sort of a bench going around the table. And they would recline and, and prop themselves up with one of the elbows while with the other free arm they would reach out to the food and, and help themselves with the food. So Jesus and the other guests are in this position. And this is probably an occasion where the community was also invited because that's the only reason why the woman was allowed in, uh, was let in because she was not... An, she doesn't seem to have been invited as Jesus was personally. So this was open for the community. And people would come. And many people would be there because of Jesus, of course. Others would be there because the Pharisee was wealthy. And you know, it's an opportunity for you to go to the house of a wealthy person. And enjoy good food. And participate in a, in a, in a special occasion. So Jesus is there and he's reclining at the table. And the Bible says that when the woman heard that Jesus would be there uh, at the table with this uh, Simon the Pharisee, she went there as well. And uh, Jesus, in the position he is, if you can imagine it, he would be, of course, facing the table, uh, reclining on one of his elbows and with the other hand free, and with his legs uh, slightly bent so that his feet would be... his. Uh, Knees would be pointing toward the table and his feet pointing outward, pointing outside of the table. And this woman comes and the Bible says that she comes and she places his, herself just behind Jesus. And she's so moved by something that she starts to weep. Now what was this woman moved by? She was moved by the love she had for Jesus. She was moved because she saw in Jesus the Savior. She saw, she saw in Jesus the Redeemer. She saw in Jesus the Messiah, the one who came to seek and save that which was lost. And so she's there and the Bible says here in verse 38 that as she stood at his feet behind him, she was weeping. And because she wept so much, she began to wash his feet with her own tears. And as you may know, people traveled those times in, uh, on unpaved roads. They traveled on the dirt. And they were wearing, wearing sandals. And those feet would get uh, dirty, uh, filled with dust of the roads. And usually when you come to someone's home... Uh, they would have a servant right at the door, ready with water to wash the guest's feet. But apparently, as we'll see later on, apparently this didn't happen. And so the woman comes, she's behind Jesus, she's uh, very emotional, she's moving and she's weeping and she's washing Jesus' feet with her own tears. But she goes beyond that. She starts to wipe Jesus' feet with her own hair, with the hair of her head. 
And she goes beyond that. She can't contain herself. She's so moved by the, by the fact that she's in the presence of the Creator, of the Lord, of the Savior. And she starts to kiss Jesus' feet. And she doesn't stop there. Not only she washes his feet with her tears and wipes them with her head. She kisses them with her mouth and she anoints them, the feet of Jesus, with fragrant oil. Now the Bible says right up front here, this is Luke saying, this is not even Simon speaking yet. But in verse 37 it says that a woman in the city who was a sinner... So Luke is, is clear to say that this woman was a sinner and she approached Jesus. Now I might say that not only she was a sinner, but Simon was a sinner. And all those guests who were there were also sinners. And they were there in the presence of the only one who had no sin, Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus' presence was so glowing. And that's why people wanted to be around him. Because there was something special about him. There was something special in the way he dealt with people. And he treated people the way God would treat people. Because Jesus is God. He, he treated people not the way men treat. Because even though Jesus was fully divine and fully human. He was God in the flesh. And so the woman does all of that. And the Pharisee starts to think and to speak to himself. That's what the Bible says. He doesn't speak out. He doesn't voice out his concerns. But he's thinking here. Uh, I was starting to develop some uh, regard for this man. Who is apparently a prophet. This man Jesus. But now I think I'm disappointed. Because if he were actually a prophet. Uh, if he had the gift of prophecy, God would have communicated to him that this is a sinner. And he would not have allowed this woman to touch him because she is a sinner. And while he is musing those thoughts and talking to himself, Jesus proving that he was indeed a prophet. Jesus proving that he was indeed God in the flesh. He turns to him without, even without... Any word being said by Simon so far. He turns to Simon and says, I have something to say to you. Uh, up to that point, Simon has no idea what Jesus has to say. Jesus might be willing to talk about something else. But Jesus knew his thoughts. And so he turns to Jesus and says, yes, Rabbi, yes, teacher, say, say it. And to make his point, Jesus now tells another story. Which we are going to read again. We are going to go forward. So we can understand why Jesus is telling this story. Now beginning here in verse 41. Here is what Jesus had to say to Simon. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay. He freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Now you're reading a story and you might, you might almost think that when Jesus said they had nothing with which to repay, you might think, well, the, the man who, who was owed money, 
He probably wanted to send them to prison. He probably wanted to strip them of all their possessions. Maybe take their, uh, their children and their wives and children as uh, slaves. But surprisingly, surprisingly, this creditor, he freely forgives them both. He forgives both the one who owed $50 only and the one who owed $500. And so Jesus turns to Simon and asks, Who do you think, who, tell me, will love him more? Will love the creditor more? And Simon reflected about that and he said in verse 43, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus said to him, You have rightly judged. Verse 44, Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, Simon, but this woman has not ceased to kiss, not my hands, not my face, but to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. And here comes the punchline. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And so it was customary, it was polite, it was nice when a guest would come to have a meal at your home to have water prepared for their feet to be washed. But Simon, so concerned he might have been with other things, maybe in preparing the reception for his guests, maybe in, in preparing himself to be quite attentive to see what Jesus would do, whether or not Jesus would fail. So concerned he was with that, he forgot to have water out for the guests to wash their feet. It was customary, it was nice to receive guests with a kiss, but Simon had no water and Simon had no kiss for Jesus. It was customary after having the feet washed to have a towel to dry, to dry the feet. Simon had none of that. And Simon had no oil to anoint Jesus' head, which was also customary and was also a sign of respect for the guests you were bringing in. But Simon had not a provision, made provisions for that. However, Jesus says, this woman has done all of that. You should respect her more because she's filling in for things you haven't done. And she's doing that because even though her sins are many, Jesus is saying, they are all forgiven. And the reason you can be sure of that, the reason you can be sure that her sins are forgiven, is the fact that she loves much. And so everyone who loves much is someone who has been forgiven. Because someone who loves little, someone who is very meager in his or her actions of love, someone who is very poor, very... Uh, economical in their actions of kindness, in their acts of kindness, 
that person must have been little forgiven. But how come if Jesus offers forgiveness freely? Well, it's because we may not come openly to Jesus. Maybe we have not repented. Maybe we have not come to Jesus with an open heart asking Him for forgiveness. And so we are forgiven little. Therefore, we love little. I wish you could not only today, but for the rest of your life. If you have not yet reached that point, you might experience Jesus' forgiveness fully. Completely. And come to Jesus with an open heart. Because once you do that, Jesus will forgive you. Jesus will forgive you all your sins. And you'll be able to love much. You'll be able to give freely. You'll be able to be kind to everyone around you. You'll be willing to associate with sinners. Not in the sense of doing what they do, but in the sense of loving them and reaching out to them. Allowing them to touch you. Allowing yourself to touch them. I told an experience this past Wednesday here, uh, the Tuesday at the 10 days of prayer, and Wednesday at the prayer meeting, I told an experience I had this week, just this week at the Walkworth Institution, the prison, where I go there every second Tuesday uh, of the month. But I'm not going to repeat the experience here. If you missed that, you have to ask someone who heard it. But uh, the long and the short of it is I had the opportunity of experience the tears of a man falling on my shoulder as I hugged him. And those were tears of uh, someone who was breaking down. He was probably letting go of some burden that was tormenting him up to that point. And uh, throughout this lengthy Minute and a half, two minute hug. That's a long hug, isn't it? Those tears were falling on my shoulders. And I was absolutely fine with it. Because those who cry, those who let go, those who forgive and are forgiven can then love much. As did this woman. And so my friends... Jesus turns to her at the end of this interaction in verse 48. And Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. My dear brothers and sisters, I pray that today, as we go through the experience of the foot washing and of partaking of the emblems of the body and blood of Jesus Christ, that you may experience forgiveness. I am uh, positive that you made preparations for today, that you reached out to anyone that maybe you needed to make a uh, uh, men's with uh, maybe someone who had uh, hurt you or someone you hurt along the journey of life and the bible says in the book of james that we should confess our faults to one another and our sins to god 
And so I am being positive that you have reached out to others and you have gone through this experience. Now, if there is something that maybe you haven't uh, fixed with someone else, uh, there is still time, right? There is still time. If there is something that may be upon further examination or today in the course of this message, or as the Holy Spirit is impressing you, you remember something that maybe you need to still talk to a brother or a sister. Please do that. Do that and trust that the Lord is able to forgive you. That the Lord is able to help you in this process with your brothers and sisters. And beyond that, if there is anything that uh, the Holy Spirit is revealing to you, that you are convicted, you are convinced that you need to ask God forgiveness for, I also encourage you to do that now. To do that and to be free from the burden of guilt. To be as this man this past Wednesday, and as this woman in the Bible story, to be free from guilt, to be free from, from sin, to be able to breathe and say, I am free, I am forgiven. So that you may be able to love much as this woman loved. And so this is my desire for each and every one of you, that today you will leave this place later on feeling forgiven. And that you hear the voice of Jesus echoing in your mind saying, Go in peace, son. Go in peace, my daughter. Because you have been forgiven.